The following episode of TOEFOP is classified M.A. It contains some coarse language, some nudity, drug references, sexual references, a sex scene, prison rape, time travel, and mild coarse language. TOEFOP advises that the program is not suitable for persons under the age of 15. Minors must be accompanied by a parent or guardian. This is John Deke speaking. There hasn't been any great advances in prison rape or space travel. Hello and welcome to TOEFOP. I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. I had the worst day yesterday. Like, worst day in terms of first world problem, worst day. Where right. It's not like anyone died. or right. It's not like your entire village had to be fed on $2 a day. Yeah. You didn't have to walk 12 hours to a well. No, no warlords came through and, you know, made me join some children's army or they'd chop off my hands. Well, no. they, why would they do that? I'm not a child. And why would they chop off your hands if they needed you in the army? I think that's the thing. You're completely you, useless. No, I think that's what they do. If you refuse, they chop off your hands. You serious? Yeah, I think it's like you join the army or we chop off your hands. Right. I think that's one. Is of the it things. like? Do they give you a choice? They go, look, uh, you can be in the army, but if you're not into that, what we want to do is stop you ever getting to masturbate again. You can have your cock uh, cut off, or your hands, cock or hands. What would you go for? Cock. Cock. Yeah. Because you, your hands are more, well, I, by the very nature of them, they're more handy. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. So, okay. So if that was the, if the warlord said, here are your three options, <laughs> join the army, um, possibly doing illegal things and like, you know, having to see horrors that you may never forget. Yeah. Or uh, we will chop off your hands or your cock. Army hands or cock. Army. So you'd be happy. Well, it depends. To... Is it a, is it a righteous cause, or am I just going out? Like, am I being conscripted for a war that I believe in, or is this? No, no, it's a private army. Like oh, you're, no, so you're, it's a militia. Yeah, you're a militia. You're being yeah. conscripted against your will. I think for causes you believe in, they don't op- offer the cock or hands option. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think when you rock up to Greenpeace or Occupy Wall Street, they're like, no, but I, like if it was nineteen sixty-seven and it was Vietnam, and I got and I gotten drafted, and they said, okay, that's fine. You don't have to get uh, conscripted, but we'll, we'll chop off your dick and balls. Let's say it's yeah. Vietnam. All right. um, then I would I'd fight. Yeah, and I reckon there would have been heaps more songs about Vietnam. Yeah, it would like have been. I know there's been a lot already, but if like chopping off your hands or your cock was also a thing that happened, God would help have been... me! I lost my dick and balls. <laughs> Can you tell me, doctor? Well, I still can't piss properly. <laughs> this little hole you cut for me was nothing like a penis. <laughs> As we all know, I can't rhyme, so <laughs> that lyric sounded terrible. Yeah, so my day wasn't that bad. Yeah. wasn't as bad as that, but it was just a, a shitty day that reached its zenith when I tried to make myself some lunch. And I threw on a, a, a pot of pumpkin soup and I was just heading it on the stove. When you say you threw on a pot of pu- pumpkin it's soup. It's one of those ones you buy from the deli. I didn't make it. It's yeah. not like I carved a pumpkin. Mushed. I know how to make pumpkin soup, incidentally. But I didn't oh, have time well, la-di-da. <laughs> <laughs> well, sorry, I didn't realise I was hosting a podcast with Jamie Oliver. You, you love your bloody soup. cooking shows. I was trying to speak your language. No, that was like you saying to me, that was like you going up to an Olympic athlete and saying, well, not an Olympic athlete, someone who likes watching the Olympics. <laughs> and, and saying, I'm running 100 metres. I know. Oh, yeah, I am around uh, 100 metres the other day. That's a fairly... I, I think that would come up in conversations all the time. If people, two people are watching the Olympics and one turns the other and says, you know, I used to do the... Uh, I used to do the 400. No, but you weren't saying that. You weren't saying I used to do the 400. You were saying, like, you were the equivalent of I can run 100 metres. That's what you just said. Because pumpkin soup is basically the easiest thing you can make in the entire world. Do you know how to make it? I didn't say I knew how to make it, Charlie. Because <laughs> I, I haven't watched any show where People anyone's ever made pumpkin People in pumpkin houses should not throw pips. I think that I could, like, if you said to me, like, you know, if there was a situation where somebody came to me and said, look, um, uh, if if Make me a pumpkin soup or I, you know, kill your family. Chop could... off your dick in the... <laughs> <laughs> Look, <laughs> we tried to get this catching on during the war and no one was really into it. So we've got this new thing called pumpkin soup, hands or cock. <laughs> I would go for pumpkin soup. I would give it a crack. I reckon I could... Healthy, wealthy and wise, pumpkin soup, hands or cock. Yeah. It's essentially like, I mean, it's just you mash a pumpkin 
and yeah. and like you'd whack in some sort of salt, salt, garlic, yeah. maybe if yeah. you like, you know, maybe maybe a little bit of cream, some cloves. Yeah, you cook it all up, oh, whatever. Okay. Fucking pumpkin soup, salt and pepper, <laughs> bang, done. That's essentially runny pumpkin. <laughs> pumpkin is. soup is runny pumpkin. Is. I could make a pumpkin runny if I needed to in an emergency situation. La di da, put some sour cream on the top, fucking sprig of parsley, bang. $12 at a fucking restaurant. But anyway, you're heating up soup that you bought off someone else. <laughs> <laughs> so I was on the stovetop. I got distracted for a moment. And I think it may have been one of the many poltergeists we've talked about on this show that we mock. Something knocked the breadboard off the, the top shelf and it landed on the handle of the, of the quite hot soup, which sprayed into my face. When I cleared it out of my eyes, I looked over the kitchen and it was on the roof, it was on the wall, it was on the floors. But bizarrely... Most of it was still in the pot. Like it managed to get on the roof, the wall, you know, the size of my kitchen and the floor and my clothes and my face. Yet when I look back in the pot, like I'd say two thirds of it was still in the pot. Yeah. So it didn't flip. It just it, it flicked up, landed perfectly back on the stove and, and covered the entire walls like a, like a, a nightmarish porno movie. It yeah. was just fucking pumpkin jizz everywhere. Yeah, everywhere, all over the place. Well, you know what the thing is? I mean, obviously the soup which was getting heated. Mm. Like the soup's obviously gone, you know, there's a lot of soup in there going like, hang on, he's heating us up. He's going to boil us. Well, I'm not into this. And some of them are going, this is our fucking chance. Let's run for it. <laughs> and the rest of us are like, nah, we'll stay, we'll stay. Yeah, that's right. I'm not taking my chances in the outside world. <laughs> the roof is not going to be far enough away to be safe from this guy. Well, that was a secret ingredient of in my pumpkin soup when I used to make it was I'd always put in a bit of cognitive. Bits of the roof? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll just make it cognitive because oh, right. I, I, like to, I like to eat things that have free will. <laughs> Yeah, you like to mix your pumpkin soup with ectoplasm. When I turned vegetarian for a year, it just didn't satisfy me eating something that didn't have free will. So I like to inject that into the vegetables I eat. Yeah, you, a always, sense of dread. Always when you're making soup, you know, you put on a bit of music and the soup starts to like bop along to the music because it's got its own sort of, you know, life to it. Yeah, like so, are you talking like Ghostbusters too. Yeah, exactly. That is exactly that documentary I saw, <laughs> Ghostbusters too. I pour it into the toaster and play some Jackie Brown or whatever they play. Yeah. <laughs> starts dancing. <laughs> Uh, James Brown, not Jackie Brown. No, it's not James Brown. Jackie Robinson. Is Jackie it? Robinson, the musician. Your love is lifting me higher. That's the song they play. Who's oh, that? yeah. Then I, I ever uh, been lifted before. before. Yeah, harmonies. Yeah. <laughs> you go for C, I'll go for a high D. I know Jimmy Barnes covered it on his Soul Deep album. Yes, yes. So let's but it wasn't the Barnesy version. No. Because I couldn't imagine any ectoplasm dancing to that. Yeah. No, I can't. So uh, how hot was the soup? It was hot enough that I burnt myself. Right. I mean, I was really lucky, actually. So you could have turned into Two Face. I could have. You could yeah. have been a pumpkin. You could have been pumpkin Two face. Pumpkin Face. <laughs> Call Christopher Nolan. We've got a new villain. Pumpkin Face. Pumpkin Face. That would be a good. Um, actually, you know what? It'd be a great um, Thanksgiving horror story. There is a Thanksgiving horror story called Pumpkin Head. Oh, right. Made by Stan Winston, yeah. which is about a. Well, <laughs> a pumpkin, pumpkin headed head? demon. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. Feels like, think, feels like we've already been there. I've never seen it. I just assume from the title that's what it's about. And I know it's Stan Winston, so I'm assuming you know he's the guy who made the Terminator creature and Predator and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. It'd you'd be, be weird to hire, hire Stan Winston to do a film called Pumpkinhead and there's no Pumpkinhead monsters in it. It'd be disappointing. Because you can get Gus Van Sant if it's just going to be an indie drama about yeah. you know teenagers yeah. talking. If it's, yeah, if it's going to be... Yeah, that is a Gus Van Sant movie. Yeah. Pumpkinhead. Yeah. Have you, have you gone and seen Pumpkinhead? It's in limited theatres. It's a lot of... He's hired a lot of people who weren't actors before yeah. and he just got them to improvise dialogue yeah. and that, that's the movie. It's called Pumpkinhead. Has it ever mentioned why? Well, no, never. That, well, that's the, that was the original pitch and then the studio were like, let's just get Stan Winston and turn that moody teenager into a giant pumpkin demon. People are like, Gus, here's what we love about your idea. The name. <laughs> <laughs> we'll buy that from you. And we're going to make a movie about a guy who's got a pumpkin head. That's a fucking heaps better movie than your windy fucking people who aren't actors. Shut up. Gus, we're really disappointed when we went and saw Elephant and we did not see, see one, one elephant. elephant. This is bullshit. Film. We've learned... The elephant in the room yeah. was that was no elephant in the film. Yeah. And we don't want a pumpkin in our room unless there is literally a pumpkin in the room. <laughs> so... <laughs> Gus Van Sant's like, never call me for a meeting again. <laughs> is this even a studio? We're in your... We're in like a shed out the back of your house. Yes, yes. Hang on, I'm taking a call. You pick up like a hamster. Hello? Yep. Mr. Spielberg, I'll call you back. Gus Van Sant's like, I don't think you are a studio. And why is this shed already filled with pumpkins? <laughs> Feels like you weren't interested in my idea at all. So if you had um, been burnt, like, you know, like half your face got burnt two-faced style by, by like the pumpkin. the pumpkin, 
what would you do with the rest of your life? Well, I'd say it would put a dent in my acting career. Would it, though? Maybe it'd fucking, like, make some jobs. Well, chicks do dig scars. It just yeah. depends how, how bad is it. Is it, like, two-faced bad? Yeah, but you're, like, half really handsome still. <laughs> like, you're half really handsome. So, like, you, you literally have a good side. Yeah, right. So if people see you from that side, they're like, hey, Charlie Clawson's looking pretty good these days. And then when they see you from the other side, they're like, did he get his face burnt off by pumpkin soup? <laughs> so you have a pumpkin face. Well, it would give me, like... You know, in Tom Hardy when he does an interview or, you know, Colin Farrell, they always have those bad boys where they talk about they used to take lots of drugs and fucking wake up in someone's bed, come yep. and spew traffic cone up their ass or something. I'm not sure that's... I think that's how the interview went. Yeah. But that could be in my cool backstories. I was making pumpkin soup. <laughs> I was having a really bad day. I was doing my tax. No, nah, it doesn't quite have the same bad boy ring to it. Oh, no, but I think if you had a pumpkin face, that would be like... I mean, you wouldn't be able to get every role. No. Like you wouldn't be able to do like the home non- and away or anything. Yeah, you wouldn't. No, I'd have to take a bite of my home and away dreams. Exactly. Do you think home and away could have a pumpkin face character? Yeah, but he wouldn't be a regular. A- they would. They would bring him in for a short stint. There'd be something along the lines if he's living under a house, like yeah. some of the kids coming home from school, and they. they there's a rumor in Summer Bay yeah. about like the haunted house. Yeah. Because they hear like scuffling and noises, and they find pumpkin heads living under there. Yeah. And Pumpkinhead, he hasn't spoken to anyone in ten years. But they find out, they go online, they find out that he was once a musician called L Punk. <laughs> and he used to write great music and he disappeared. And so they bring him back out and they encourage him to play music again. And the thing is that he, they're like, well, why didn't you just go to the local, like, you know, the, you know, the salvos, people look after the homeless. And he goes, well, I can't walk into a soup kitchen. Like all the bad memories of soup. <laughs> like this is the whole horrible irony is he's been cast out, but he can't walk into a soup kitchen even, without even the memories. Even before that though, when, they're, when he's still not talking and they're just sort of trying to find out what his story is, they yeah. take him to the Summer Bay supermarket and yeah. they're trying to work out what's No, I can't even with, go there because it's got the name soup in it. Well, well, like, yeah, he's yeah. like, I can't go to the oh, supermarket. I didn't even think of that. Can't. I was thinking more he goes down the Campbell's aisle and he's like, ah! No, can't even go in because it's called supermarket. Yeah. Can't go and see Superman. Yeah. Like, he's, anything that has the word soup in it, he's not into. Even like, that 90s band Swoop, it sounds too much like soup. Yeah. You still love the TV show The Soup. Massive Joel McHale fan, but can't watch it anymore because of the irony. When he saw uh, that episode of Seinfeld, it was just the Nazi as far as he's concerned. Yeah, he was like, all, yeah, all, soup, all people who serve super soup Nazis <laughs> to this guy. He's like, well, I don't know what you guys are fucking talking about. I got half my face burnt off by soup. <laughs> so you wouldn't consider if you were like, you know, soup man. Soup man. Soup, soup man. man. That's quite cool because it sounds a bit like Superman. Soup man. Yeah. If you say like, it quickly, like, hey, it's soup man. I like pumpkin face better. Than soup man. Well, I don't like... I just You're think, more into pumpkin... So if you got your face burnt off by pumpkin soup, you would... Like, if, if you had the if choice... If it's not me, I'd like the person to be known as pumpkin face. <laughs> no, if it's, it's me, then I carry it. It's you. Man. It happened to you. Soup man. Soup man. Yeah. I like that. You know Charlie's soup man now? Mm. That sounds fucking cool. Yeah, it does. Although... Does is, he, is he faster than a speeding bullet? Soup man also sounds like I could have a, a late night um, sort of current affairs talkback show on Oscario. <laughs> soup man! <laughs> I've got some opinions about things. <laughs> but then the, the soup half of me has a completely different opinion. <laughs> that would, that be, would be great, great If Harvey Dent hosted yeah. like a talkback show, but he never actually took any calls because no. he just argued with himself. Oh, that's, that's a really good idea. <laughs> like, well, I, NTR, they need, a, they need a star. Why don't yeah. we just pitch on Harvey Dent? Harvey Dent. <laughs> you know he's not real. Because it is also that perfect thing for like a, a talkback radio station where he's like, Really, like you know, I believe in gay marriage. How can you? How can you agree with it? I believe that uh, everybody should be treated with respect. Criminals must be locked up. I don't know why he sounds like Batman. Yeah, like- <laughs> no, that's Batman calling in. <laughs> We've got B Wayne calling in from Gotham City. Harvey. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, Bruce. Of course, Bruce is first on the line. That's what that red bat phone is for in Wayne Manor. It's, it's not to the commissioner. It's, it's straight to NPR, so Inspector Harvey Dent. Harvey, I've got some problems with my local council. <laughs> Marriage is between a man and a woman. That's Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. <laughs> Harvey, we wouldn't have so much trouble in Gotham if we just stopped. The boats. <laughs> we grew here. You flew here. 
He's talking about Superman. Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine every time Batman runs into Superman? He's like, we grew here. You flew here, freak. <laughs> oh, and for oh, all man. those playing um, the latest edition of the Top drinking game, Batman. Batman. <laughs> man, we're just going to have to reference Batman. Oh, actually, I've got a Batman-related um, conundrum. Okay. Um, which is that you know when uh, the Mission Impossible movie was in cinemas around Christmas, um, they had six minutes of the you know the new Batman movie, The Dark Knight Rises, and I didn't get to go and see um, Mission Impossible Four, unfortunately. So I didn't get to see that six minutes. The movie comes out, I think, sort of mid year, like you know. So I think it's July, think it's July, July right? Something, yeah. So I can wait until July and just see the whole movie. Or a friend of mine sent me the other day that first six minutes because it's on the internet now. Yeah, right. Well, it's been a bit torrented. Yeah, yeah. and it's like... Um, Shaky it's, it's not a great... Just wait, man. Do I wait? Well, you know what? Actually, having said that, I've never seen the prologue for Dark Knight. Because you know there's a six-minute prologue for that too. No, they showed... At Dark Knight, they showed that, that it's that first scene. You know, that oh, is first, that what the prologue was? Yeah. Oh, okay, so that's So when you went to cinemas, right, right. that entire first sort of bank... Yeah, you know, right. bank job was kind of that the, was the prologue. That okay. was the prologue. All right. Uh, yeah, I don't know, man. I wouldn't do it. Actually, it depends. I mean, if it's not going to give anything away about the film, no. And it's not like when I go, can you wait? It's only six months. Uh, yeah, five months. I can't wait. This is my point. I'm not sure that I can wait. Like, we can't wait fucking one week to not talk about Batman again. <laughs> like, how am I meant to? It's only going to get worse, I guess, as we get closer. Charlie, I can't handle it. And then, and then for the next two months after we see it, <laughs> and then after we see it again and again, you know what and we again. should try. I mean, look, we've made a lot of promises yeah. we we haven't kept, but maybe when it does come out, we should go see it. Oh no, it's impossible. I was going to say, and then record like a a commentary for people to play in their iPods when they go see it. But we would need amazing memories for the film. Um, it wouldn't match up. Yeah, I think people. What people are really thinking about with this new Batman film is, <laughs> is that they might need <laughs> us rabbiting annoyingly in their no, ears. No, because most people that are going to see it more than once. Okay, like if if you know if I, I think that's not, if you could get like a director's commentary, if you could get Christopher Nolan's commentary, you could download it from iTunes and then go see it for a second time, put your earbuds in and listen to the commentary. I think that'd be pretty cool. That would actually be pretty cool. Well, we can go and see it early and then just go and like, see it for the first time for ourselves, yeah. see it for the second time to take a few notes and record our podcast, yeah. and then I can see it three, four, five, six, seven, but, eight, nine, ten times. But I think but our, what we're talking about, unless we're actually commentating to the vision, how are we gonna, how's it going to match up? Okay, I'll legally record it on my iPhone. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to get. <laughs> All right, in. <laughs> it's a good idea. I don't think it would work. Uh, speaking of good ideas that might not work, um, I did a gig the other night, which was uh, one of the weirdest gigs I've ever done in my life. Uh, People laughed. <laughs> nice one, Charlie. <laughs> Appreciate that. Um, uh, I did a gig the other night. It was a, a, a favour for, for a friend, which is always you know a good way to start a horrible story. <laughs> now, this guy, is a, he's a comedian, and... Um, uh, he runs a comedy room and it's a room that I play sometimes and he's a good fella. And so he messaged me and said, hey, are you in town? Um, my daughter is having her birthday party at the club. So basically, you know, they were just had the whole club for the night and they were going to have the birthday party there and said, we're gonna, just going to put on a show. And they've asked if you would come along how and old, how the daughter? be in the show. Well, this is the thing. Uh, 16. Uh, right? So... Like he's a mate of mine, and I and like I wanted to do the right thing, and I was in town, so I said, "Yeah, yeah, no, I'll do, I'll do it, mm. I'll do it." What I didn't realize at the time was it would be a room entirely filled with sixteen-year-old girls. There was no guys there. There was no parents there. Uh, what? It was purely sixteen-year-old uh, girls. That's terrifying. Like I mean, this guy, you know, the father, yeah, you know, running the club and some staff there at the club and whatever, but le- legitimately, the entire audience consisted. Of 16-year-old girls. Do you find teenage girls intimidating? Terrifying, Charlie. Me too, man. Because you know why? They have no fucking respect for authority. None. <laughs> like, you, I was like, got this insight into what it's like to be a teacher. Because I would ask a 
a rhetorical question. Um, teenage girls don't really know what rhetorical questions are. Every time that you end your sentence in a question mark, they will answer that question. <laughs> like at one stage, I did this joke about oral sex, right? And like this, this, the setup to this joke is that they've now... Who wants to have oral sex with me? <laughs> <laughs> I can't understand why they chased me out. <laughs> Parents are really upset. No, because I, I kind it wasn't of... wasn't so much a joke as an invitation. The funny thing about it, Charlie, was that I'd watched all the previous comedians and the only things that these girls had enjoyed were essentially dick joke. You know, like they're teenage girls. All they wanted was to hear you like, say things you shouldn't be saying. Like your normal stuff, they were not interested Especially in. Especially a guy off the telly. Yeah. It's always good when you see someone who works within parameters then oh. start swearing. So I was watching the other acts and I was like, okay, well, this is clearly the direction they need to be going in for, for, what, they're, for what they're enjoying. And so I've, um, I've, I, this is the intro to the bit. I say, um, yeah, there was a news story the other day. They've now linked a rare form of throat cancer to too much oral sex. <laughs> There's like about 40 16-year-old girls in the room, right? One of them... <laughs> just completely like you know instinctively has just gone oh no <laughs> right so does everybody that, know about this <laughs> at this at this point all the other girls have just like teasing her for being a slut <laughs> and i have lost the room because they're all like jane you're a slut jane loves sucking cock i'm like oh my god i'm not in charge of this anymore <laughs> no way man you were never in charge i was never in charge but for a minute they let me think like i was in charge <laughs> and then it was just like essentially them just telling each other off for giving gobbies <laughs> i went to a, a fundraiser the other night um for a, a short film and it was a really they had a comedian there and it was a really fucking tough gig it was a favour as well obviously but yeah. it was in a beer garden there's people sort of spread out everywhere it wasn't like a, a contained audience um, but at the end of the night they did this raffle and there's a bunch of actors there and stuff and uh, Joel Edgerton was there with Nash and um, Joel's had a pretty good run of things lately you know his career's really taking off he's done sort of three big films back to back to back yeah. getting great he's the next big thing really really big actor and a lot of hate <clears throat> so he has he's doing pretty well you'd say you know he has quite a bit they do a raffle at the end of the night and uh, there's six prizes who wins the top three Joel Edgerton <laughs> Joel Edgerton had the three winning tickets. Three. He had three of them. Like, because you could buy, you could buy like one <laughs> Did ticket. Did he just for... buy all the tickets? No. He only, he bought six. He and Nash divided them up. And the best part was he, when he won his first one, he sort of took that and then he won the next one and the one after that. And he kept, you know, very gentlemanly. Oh, no, no, it's fine. It's fine. Just, you know, redraw, redraw. Yeah. And Nash is sitting there going, hey, uh, oh, your brother's here. <laughs> like, yeah. I'd like a prize. Yeah, I've, I've not <laughs> done okay. quite as well as you in the last... I mean, I'm, I've got a good career, don't get me wrong, but you've got an awesome career. <laughs> yeah. um, you don't need prizes. I would still like some prizes. But it just... What, it, the, what, start, what sort of prizes were they? Oh, it was like... A, I think it was like a holiday. Um, there was like a, a, a holiday, like a, a, a gold-class movie tickets. Really, you know, kind yeah, of good, good prizes. prizes. Yeah. yeah, good prizes that a guy doing as well as him is probably doesn't really need. Like, right. So he's like, I, I really enjoy these gold class movie tickets when I go and see all the blockbuster movies I'm appearing in. <laughs> I'd love these I'll use them the day after I'm at the Academy Awards. These, these gold class tickets will be great, mm. except I have a home theatre in my mansion. Yeah. And I'm in every movie. Yeah. So they let me in for free because yeah. I'm actually in every movie that comes out at the moment. So, But the fact that, like, out of everyone who had come to this fundraiser, like, he was by far and away, like, you know, the guy is doing really well. Yeah. And he was the one who won the top three prizes. Yeah. And it made me think of that episode of Red Dwarf where luck is a virus. Have you seen that? They find out that luck's a virus and you can be injected with this luck virus and it's very short term, but, you know, you can fill up a lot of tickets, all that kind of stuff. It's like that motherfucker has discovered yeah. the luck virus. Yeah. <laughs> I almost wanted to kiss him to see if I could catch it. I should have drunk his fucking tea. That's exactly what you should have done. Because, Charlie, one day when I pick up somebody else's fucking luck virus, when I suddenly have fucking Keanu Reeves or fucking Steve Waugh's luck... You'll be like, fucking Ando knew what he was doing. Speaking of that, uh, you put a call out a while ago for some more questions. And uh, this guy, Jeremy Wiltshire, sent in what I thought was a pretty good question. Okay, fantastic. Um, Will, your, pred your pre predilection for drinking celebrities' half-drunk beverages is genuinely gross. 
It's hard to understand how you don't see that. You said, I would let anyone I admired spit in my mouth, and he's italicised it to show it's a quote. Question. Do you admire Charlie? No. <laughs> okay. Well, that cancels out the next part. If yes, can he do it live on air? So probably good that you're honest. But which of these following... But I, I would share a, a drink or a... Like, you know, I have shared a drink or a, like a, you know, a joint or whatever with you over the years. It's not like I'm, you know... That's not letting me spit in your mouth, though. Uh, look, I, I, if, if there was some situation where you needed to spit in my mouth, I would have no problem with that. Like I've got a really bad cold and a mouthful of mucus. <laughs> if you had contracted, contracted the luck virus yeah, right, you let me... and you were like, the only way I can give it to you is to spit in your mouth. Well, for me to spit in your mouth. Yeah, that, that's what I meant. Like yeah. for you to like, yeah. spit in, inside my mouth. I'd be not in a minute. I'd uh-huh. just be like, yeah, sweat ass. Well, he goes on to say, which of the following celebrities would you let spit in your mouth? So we'll go through them one by one. Zooey Deschanel. Yes. And in whatever bit of me she wants. In my ear. <laughs> up my nose. She can... <laughs> Will she ever hear this? <laughs> no. You can though, Zooey. Whatever you want to do. Whatever you're into, I don't mind. It can be freaky as shit. Let's do it. M. Night Shyamalan. No. Tim Burton. Unless, uh, you know what it'd be with M. Night Shyamalan? He'd be about to spit in my mouth, but in the end there'd be a twist. That's and right. ironically, I'd be spitting in, in his mouth. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> Tim Burton. It'd yes. be a really spirally weird, quirky spit. I would let him spit in my mouth, but he wouldn't be able to mention any of his like modern work. Yeah, right. Like, he'd have to say Beetlejuice three times. He probably wouldn't mouth. spit in your mouth, but he'd get Helena Bonham Carter or Johnny Depp to do it. They, yep, they could do it, both of <laughs> them. Yep. Uh, Meryl Streep. Oh. You know what? Nah, I'm a bit into... If, so, the greatest living actress alive. I'm not a big Meryl Streep fan. Like, I'm a fan that, like, clearly she is really fucking good at what she does. But if you said to me, hey, Meryl Streep's in this, yeah. that would not be something that would be, you know... I'll go, oh, well, it might be good. You know, if I'm going to see something that she's in, I'd be like, oh, great. But I would not go out of my house. And if she was at something, they were like, hey, Meryl Streep's in town. It's only 200 bucks. You know, you can come and you can meet her. I'd be like, yeah. What about it's free? It's free. Yeah, yeah, I'll go and see it for free. But you've got to spit in her mouth. Let's <laughs> just spit in my oh, mouth. So you've got to spit in your mouth. Yeah, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> if it's entry to a gig, <laughs> I'm fine with that. She's like, you can come and see Meryl Streep for free. She'll talk for like an hour. She'll do like an inside the actor's studio, but she spits in the mouth of everyone who comes to the show. Yeah, I'm cool with that. Shane Warne. It's interesting. Yep. yep. Yeah, I would. Um, I don't think you'd be the first person whose mouth is spat in. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure that video where he's wearing the Playboy undies, he's yep. spitting into something. I would like to say, I would like Warne you to fucking spit in my mouth cricket style though, if I could request something. Like, you know, I'd like him to kind of like... Give you the flipper. Like, get in his whites or get in his uniform and then, like, you know, be kind of spinning the ball in his hand and then, like, turn his head and do, like, a yeah a cricket spit. Okay. Like, a little... And then I would be, a like... little run-up, a little hop, skip and jump. Yeah, and he would spit it and it would go in my mouth. <laughs> or even if he spit it and it turned in the air, kind of yeah, waved in the air and went into my mouth. <laughs> I'd be into that. I'd like, I'd like it to be something special. Sport thing. Yeah. Ben Cousins. Yep. Great way to get high. I oh, know. <laughs> spit in my mouth, man. I've been up for nine days. What happened? Ben Cousins spat in my mouth. <laughs> I've got so much shit done. It's ridiculous. And look how good my abs look. <laughs> Such is life. Uh, Greg Barron. Would I like Greg spit in my mouth? Yes. Yes, Greg Barron. Yeah, you, you absorb some of his cool rockabilly vibe. Fuck yeah, my hair would just go bang. Yeah, your hair like, would get much cooler and your, your choice of footwear. Yeah, I'm, so I'm wearing a cardigan and I'm not sure why. As, as two men who have been inside the closet, he has a very... Uh, amazing selection of footwear for a man. Oh, man. He has an amazing f- selection of footwear for a drag queen. <laughs> for a transsexual, he has an excellent... There'd be trannies who would go in that closet and go, yeah, nice one, Greg. <laughs> Good feet. Well done. Uh, Dave Anthony? Yep. And he'd be angry too. He'd be angry He'd be so angry. <laughs> you just need to get him started on the Republicans and then he'd be fucking spitting all over the place. You could just sit there like a, a fair show clown, just like, ah. I feel like at some stage that's just going to happen against my will anyway. That he <laughs> will just actually just spit in my mouth just for like, for some film that Yahoo series made or something. <laughs> He'll just be so angry at Australia <laughs> that he will slag in my gob. Um, something closer to home, Corinne Grant. Oh, I would feel weird about that. Yeah. And it's not that I don't... Too much history. Oh, yeah. It's not that I don't admire Corinne. She's one of my... But I've known Corinne since I was 
16 years old. So I've, that would be like getting my sister have to spit in my kissed? mouth. No. no like, How I, have you been friends with a girl for 16? There was never any... Never at all. I think maybe because we met when we were like, you know... Teenagers. You saw each other when you were ugly. Yeah. <laughs> ugly and pimply and deformed. Yeah, she saw me when I had long hair and thought I was Eddie Vedder. Yeah, right. But like, like someone who'd eaten Eddie Vedder as opposed to like actually Eddie Vedder. And um, yeah, no, no, there was never any sort of romance there. No, I think I would find that a bit weird. No. It'd be like my sister spitting in my mouth. <laughs> Your sister. <laughs> uh, Adam Sandler. Oh, yeah. Fucking love some of that fucking sandless spit inside me. Yeah, we'd be a millionaire. Be like spitting um, a Maserati in your mouth. It's, that is exact. He would spit in my mouth, and I suddenly would realise I'm in a Maserati yeah. that he'd bought for me. <laughs> but not if he was dressed as Jill from Jack and Jill. <laughs> no, I, I would let Jack spit in my mouth, but not Jill. What if he was dressed like Little Nicky? Yep. Yeah. yeah, I'm fine with that. Yep. I'd prefer Happy Gilmore. If I if I could request, I'd be like, dude. This would make it more special if you could just happy Gilmore. You know what happened though is he'd spit and he'd miss it, hit your cheek, and he'd go over and he'd go, "That's your home. Get in his mouth. That's your home. Are you too good for your home?" Yeah. He'd just get Rob Schneider to spit in my mouth. <laughs> That's what had happened. Uh, Michael Chiklis. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I think there's a little. Uh, that's a little play on words there because you know that you described yeah. your penis. My penis is Michael Chiklis. Yeah, but no, well, I mean... Would you let your penis spit in your mouth? Yeah, if I could fucking have that sort of coordination. Sure, <laughs> why not? <laughs> yeah, Michael Chiklis, I would. But I would feel fucking... Like, you know that afterwards, you'd feel like... You've been spatting. You've been fucking spatting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, after, there'd be no fucking walking away trying to pretend. Like, with some of those other people, I feel like that afterwards I'd feel like nothing bad had happened. Yeah. Like I was in no way violated. In fact, if anything, it was like a, a nice gesture. Yeah. Whereas with Chickless, I think I would feel shame. <laughs> I would feel, I'd have to go home and scrub myself. Yeah. For Cause a while. he's got that kind of, cause he, you know, he's played a cop so many times. You're yeah. going to feel like, you know, you've done something, you've broken a law yeah. or something. You're being judged. Armenians were after me. <laughs> I'm not sure why he spit in my mouth and suddenly Armenians are after me. Um, Barack Obama. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I think even I'd cross the line for Barack. Yeah. And I would get one of those posters, like Change and Hope, but it would just say spit. <laughs> and I would have it up my wall. That would I'd be say, very You cool. know, Barack Obama spat in my mouth once. Uh, Julia Gillard. The audacity of slag. He put out a book. <laughs> Julia Gillard. Not really. No. I don't think I would be into that. No. 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 That would make me feel uncomfortable. Yeah. And it's, it's not like she needs to kind of... Um, emasculate any more men <laughs> no <laughs> uh mother Teresa. yep although i have some issues with mother Teresa. she was like apparently you know not as you know necessarily as pleasant as you know the world made out and she was you know fiercely anti-abortion well, and you know all those sort of things yeah yeah um but yeah i think i would i think i'd close my eyes if it was mother Teresa. yeah Imagine that, like your first... She'd be spitting in my mouth only if I was like, like I was about to die and the only way she could get liquid into me as a humanitarian humanitarian was to like spit in my mouth. I almost met Mother Teresa, almost. Missed her by like about five minutes when I was 17. I don't know if we've ever talked about this, but I worked in uh, missionaries in India, my summer holidays. Well, my school is a Jesuit school. We've talked about what Jesuits are before and Jesuits... um, they still run missions, like a lot of Catholic missions around the world, world run by Do they ever do a mission in Moscow? Yes. <laughs> Thank God there was one priest who could make like sound effects with his mouth. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I went and I worked in mission, with missionaries for like two months when for, I was 17. Uh, for like, high school. For two months? In what country? In India. You went to India for two months and worked with missionaries? How do you think I got my middle order batsman beard? <laughs> It's hormones. I bought them when I was over there. Uh, yeah, no, because my school would offer a scholarship. How where... do I not know this about you? I don't know. You sure I love the fact this. that the only like genuinely nice and sort of worldly <laughs> thing you've ever done in your life, you've kept a complete secret <laughs> to me in the entire time we've known each other. I'm amazed that you don't know this. We talk about Batman every time we get together, <laughs> but we've never mentioned fucking Mother Teresa and when you did missionary work in India. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how that doesn't come up, but yeah. So how many? tell me all about this. Uh, all okay. right, so I went to a Jesuit school, yeah. right? And Jesuits, uh, you know, to give you a thumbnail sketch, they're kind of like um, 
they're similar to rabbis in the sense that they're generally really well-educated priests and they have like degrees in law and, and philosophy and all that kind of stuff. Although you never hear like a nun, a pope and a Jesuit walk into a bar. No. Like rabbis are getting a lot well, more. Well, they're like, they're like a specialist, like the SAS of priests, oh. right? Okay. So they're right. Jesuits, uh, to put it in a context you can understand, mm. Jesuits are the only priests who can conduct exorcisms. Oh, are you serious? Yeah, yeah. That's oh, why, okay. that's, that's cool. That, well, I'll give you a little bit of uh, trivia. Yeah. In The Exorcist, the 19... Is this a fact or a total no, this fact? No, this is true. There's <laughs> okay. a, in The Exorcist, you've got um, uh, the two guys playing the priest. You've got Max von Sydow and um, just, what's that, Justin Miller, the Justin other guy, Timberlake? the priest. No. <laughs> Justin Timberlake. <laughs> and they're playing Jesuit priests. Okay. And there's another priest in the film, the one who gives the young priest his last rites at the end of the film. And yeah. that priest's name is Mick O'Malley, and he came and talked at my school. And he talked about that whole experience about working on the exorcist and stuff. Is he an actual priest? Nick O'Malley, Father O'Malley. I don't know what his first name is. Is yeah. he an actual priest? He's an actual priest in The Exorcist. He's the one who's playing the piano when Reagan comes down the stairs and yeah. pisses on the floor. And he's a real priest. He's a real priest. And he did probably the most famous... Is that movie a documentary? Film. <laughs> uh, no, but it is based on a, a, an exorcism where a Jesuit priest tried to... How, does that, how do you clear that as a priest? Like, I get from the filmmaker's point of view... I get how they're like, you know what we should really do? This will be fucking awesome. Well, he was probably a consultant. We'll get like a real-life priest to be involved in this. Yeah. But how do you clear that through the church? Hey, uh, what are you guys doing on the weekend? Well, we're going to the local like meeting f- where we, uh, you know, like talk about what the church is going to do and our positions on all these range of issues. What are you doing? Uh, I'm going to Hollywood, <laughs> being a horror film. Well, I imagine he was probably a consultant okay. who they, they probably had this part written and said, oh, you know what? Why don't we get the priest to play that yeah. part? And, I mean, he talked about it and said it was just like... They had no opposition to it because as far as they're concerned, it's a work of fantasy, you know, even though they believe in the devil and all that kind of stuff. But Jesuits are also, um, they've been excommunicated five times in their 500-year history. So, because their philosophy is about questioning faith. They like is it is, is there a relegation system amongst the Catholics? <laughs> like if you have a bad season, you have to go down to the B-Leaks. So no, if you get excommunicated, it means like, it used to happen to divorced couples. If yeah. you got divorced, you'd be excommunicated, which means, you know, the, I guess the you know the gates of heaven are closed to you. So the whole Jesuit order had been excommunicated five times. Yeah. Does that mean that people who follow who are Jesuits are also excommunicated when that happens? Well, no, because the Jesuits aren't their own religion. They're just a fact. They're just priests. They're an organization within the Catholic Church. But if you go to a Jes- Jesuit church or whatever, like I, I, there is no Jesuit church. Oh, they, when I, when they I say just teach. To, when I say to Jesuit school, yeah, the headmaster and the priest who taught there were Jesuits. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, um, but they they have their reputation is that they question and challenge. They constantly, you know, they believe in God and all that yeah. kind of stuff. But so they don't question that much. Well, <laughs> they don't question the whole imaginary God in the sky. <laughs> no, they rule the line at that. Well, the way I got the scholarship is that, and um, in my interview when they sort of said, you know, why do you want to go to India? I said I don't believe in God. I think religion uh, is divisive. I can't see any benefit to it. You know, I think it's just this, you know, blah, 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 blah. Assuming that that would be, rule me out. Yeah. But they actually dug that. They, that's, that's why they picked me is because they thought, well, we don't want kind of just sheep coming into the Jesuit order. You know, we no. want... We want questioners. People who question, yeah. 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 He could be our next guy. Yeah. Well, this is a thing yeah. which my girlfriend finds hilarious is that generally people who get the scholarship when they finish school, they go into the priesthood. So I think so this that, was like draft camp. It's draft camp, yeah. yeah. So I was identified as having the most priest-like qualities. Yeah. You were like one of those guys who had like, um, you, you were a bit non-traditional. Like a lot of guys had sort of trained all their life to be there. Yeah. But you kind of were naturally skilled in questioning the world. Yeah. Like if we can only harness <laughs> this amazing talent. Yeah. You were like a wild horse that some trainer has found and gone, if I can break him, he will be the greatest racehorse of all time. <laughs> so they've said, That's you know, right. Uh, I'm that indigenous kid on Tiwi Island. Yeah. It's like, oh, if we could just move oh into the, the city, like he's got all the talent to be the greatest player ever. We've just got to stop Charlie eating turtle and buy him shoes. <laughs> <laughs> and he will be the greatest Jesuit priest of all time. Maybe they still sit around. Do you ever think they all sit around and go, That was the one that got Fuck, away. Fuck, we missed him. I'm sure there are a bunch of priests who sit around thinking about me going, yeah. who's the one that got away? <laughs> <laughs> but for very different reasons. Um, look, not every kid who did, went to India became a priest, but there was a, a li- I think it was like a 50%. How many go. kids went to India? So they'd send two, me and this guy, Phil Are you fucking Ryan. kidding me? It was uh, you and another guy were. How did that play with your mates? Was that like an honor, or were you like? No, what? It was funny. Uh, 
it was weird. Like, there was two scholarships they offered <clears throat> at the end of year 11. One was to go to France. Yeah. Oh, sorry, there's three. France, the States, and India. And the France and the... You got the shoot one. Well, exactly. And that's and that was kind of the attitude of my mates. Is like, so, we want to send you to France to learn how to eat cheese. And, and see beautiful wine, women. And see beautiful women everywhere. Yeah. Uh, or you can go to America and eat cheese <laughs> and see beautiful women a lot. Or you can go to India and there are beautiful women, but you're not going to get any cheese. <laughs> Fuck you. Well, the thing that was going through my mind was that if I went to France or America because of the way the seasons and the way the, the schools are set up, I'd actually have to go to school because that's what you'd do. Oh, right. I didn't go to school in India. No, I just worked with that. missionaries. Yeah. So that you sounds... just went on quiz shows. I just went on, I went on and holiday did, for two and, months. And danced around and sang. That's all they do in <laughs> India. You play cricket, you dance around and sang, and you went on quiz shows. Yeah, so uh, I got it. You worked in a call centre for two months. <laughs> Imagine if they've seen you over there. We've got a job for you. We put you in a call centre. Truly, you're doing God's work. <laughs> I think okay. that was wasn't that the plot of Outsourced. I think it is. You're right. <laughs> so how did it work? So you've gone for the interview. They choose you. Yeah. How do they announce that? Is that like a school assembly? Really? Yeah. So like it was like a was it a Big deal. Did people know? Did yeah, you yeah, know the before the knew. assembly? Oh, yeah, yeah. They called us in to say, hey, we're going to announce yeah. it. Um, so they play the music like the... No, man. That would have been great. Or if they got everybody up there like and illuminated them one by one. Like, it's a knockout? Yeah, like, no, I was thinking more like Damien. You're not going to India. Ooh. Well, when they had this, yeah, right, there's, there's three of us up there and one of us had already got in and then the mm. last year they're like, and the next person going to India is? is? We'll find out after the break. <laughs> this is assembly. We don't have commercial breaks. <laughs> Somebody just walked on, didn't add about the church fate that was going up. <laughs> oh, the mini Maytime fair. Yeah, the mini May What? Sorry, there's the Maytime Fair, and then the junior schools do the mini Maytime Fair, which is a fundraiser for India, so it actually relates. <laughs> so what went on at the uh, the Maytime Fair and the mini Maytime Fair? It just fates. So like the, the senior school would do the Maytime Fair, which would be like jumping castles. Oh, fuck, I don't know, three-legged races. What do you do at school fates? Like jumping castles and food. Was food, food? Yeah, the food in the, in the hall. Fairy Foss machine and like a popcorn machine, that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Like I think and some AFL players would come down and oh, run okay. like Oscar. Oz clinics or, or stuff like that. But yep. all the proceeds would go to India. Go was to there a dunking India. thing? There was quite often yes. a dunking thing. Yes, we did. Yeah. Oh, my God. And I had the I had this math teacher when I was in year eight, Mr. Joseph, who fucking hated me. Yeah. Like, I just... He hated me, man. Like, it was it was almost um, like teenage, this, this teacher's hatred for me. I don't yeah. know what I had done. But you know, I told you that story about Pommy Johnson picking me out in the front row because yeah. he thought I was... Like, this teacher from day one of fucking school, was like, oh, this, this kid's trouble. You know why? Why? Because he recognised that you were probably the greatest Jesuit priest yeah. of all time. Oh, it was just a trial? And he was trying to try you. Yeah, he was trying yeah. to test you out to see what... Because everyone was like, he won't fucking go for it, man. He won't stay around. He doesn't have the aptitude and dedication to be the greatest Jesuit priest of all time. This motherfucker, once, I failed a math test, never my strong suit, and... Uh, is that why he didn't like you? Because you were bad at maths? Yeah, no, that is definitely right. one of the reasons. Okay. But he was handing out all the papers and sort of reading out everyone's mark, giving it back to them, left month to last. And he was like, well, um, we've come to the momentous moment. Charlie Clawson scored like seven out of 53 or something like that. Like it was really bad. And he's like, amazing that someone could be so stupid. And he's like, Mr. Clawson, come up and get your paper. And I came up and he's gone, can you explain to the class why you're so stupid? I said, no, I'm stupid. <laughs> I can't. Like, I could barely walk up to the front of the class. Just getting one leg in front of the other is really tough. I may be stupid, but I possibly also might be the greatest Jesuit priest of all time or pumpkin face. So don't <laughs> fucking mess with me, fucking dude. He fucking hated me. And yeah, I had a chance, but he, he got onto the, the dunking thing. We had a dunking tank. Yeah. And I had like, I bought, I don't know, 5,000 fucking balls. Yeah. The thing must have been rigged. Like, I could not make him fall. I hit that target at least five times and it wouldn't fall. Oh, you're weak. You have a weak arm. <laughs> but he was saying shit that to, like that oh, to me. No. He was heckling me. Heckling me. Come on, Clawson, you couldn't fucking hit. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, oh. I just want to put him in the water. But in the end, um, 
Uh, You're uh, like, I've got a dozen balls and I'm going to throw all 11 of them at you. I should have done that. <laughs> That's what I should have done. I'm really bad. Yeah, I'm terrible. I'm terrible, terrible at throwing nuts. as well. Bang, I hit you in the face. I'm sorry. Oh, God. I can't believe I hit your nuts for the fifth time. That's all you should have done. That's you should have thrown. You should have gone. Fire up the DeLorean. Yeah. <laughs> Find me as a 12 year old. I'll tell myself that's what I got to do. Okay, so there was, and, and at the mini, the mini Maytime Fair was like the junior schools, like little version of the right. the senior school. So it's just essentially the same thing, but with tinier people. <laughs> I love it. That's perfect. It's mini well, me. You know what? You're not far from the truth because yeah. it was up until year eight. So yeah, yeah. they literally were smaller perfect. people. It was just smaller people. <laughs> Brilliant. Okay, so. Um, uh, they at the Mini Maytime Fair they raised the money for you to go to India. Yeah, they've announced the assembly. No, 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 not to go to India. They were just uh, that uh, that was all paid for already. It okay, was just that that money raised by the Maytime Fair was just for India in general, just to fundraise. Oh, for India, the oh, no, whole for country. The, sorry, the missions. In yeah. India. yeah, all right, okay, yeah. cool. So um, they've announced that Charlie Clawson will be going on the mission to India. <laughs> this is awesome. And then so then what happens? Awesome. Yeah, it's awesome. awesome. Then what happens? Uh, so um, we, so me and Phil, we go. We sort of have a few meetings. Phil was the other guy. Phil Ryan, yeah, yeah. And well, did I, Phil become a Jesuit priest? No. You know what? I you, you're thought, the bad year. You're the year that people remember. I don't know. He has. Look, I'm. We're not, yeah. I think we're in touch on Facebook. He's. He was. I think he was. If he wasn't ducks, no, he was ducks at the school. He yeah. was extremely, extremely smart. <laughs> like, I think if we were a buddy cop team, yeah. like, I was kind of like a... a, a if he was Penny and Brains, I was Mr. Gadget. Right. <laughs> and I was Inspector Gadget. Like, I think they said, well, let's pick a funny guy. Yeah. Someone who can amuse them while they're over there. And pick Indians actually, love to laugh. Yeah. <laughs> if we know anything about India is they love to laugh. Yeah. So we'll, we'll pick a clown yeah. and a genius. Yeah. Yeah, we were. Yeah, we were, It was an odd pairing. I mean, he and I think he's a. I thought he was a doctor, but he might be a doctor priest. Who knows? Right. Um, but uh, so we had a couple of meetings with uh, various priests. Worked out what we'd be doing. We had to keep diaries, and because when we came back, we then had to do a series of kind of talks about our experiences and all that yeah. kind of stuff. You so, went on the speaking circuit. Speaking circuit, exactly. Yeah. We didn't get paid for it, but no. Um, so then we go over to India, and the way it works is that. Uh, for two months, you move around. You sort of move from, um, like, you know, you'll stay in the cities and you'll go out to the villages and you'll work with different villages and then you move up to Delhi. So over two months, you cross sort of the top of India. Beer and hut. so who's with you? Me and Phil. Just you and Phil? Yeah, yeah. How are, you getting from da- how are you getting from down to down? Oh, no, no, no. Sorry, when we get to India, we'll have, obviously, you know, there's different priests and guides yeah. and stuff who take us around. All right, okay. But getting to, we had to get to India first. So, basically, But essentially, you got passed around by priests. Yeah. <laughs> yeah okay. All right, sure. So um, have you ever been to India? No. All right. It's, uh, it is like it's... Uh, I've seen Slumdog Millionaire. So <laughs> I feel like I'm across it. Well, it has a great soundtrack. Yeah. <laughs> uh, People are colourful. And, uh, but it the- is. But, you know, it's actually not... I mean, Danny Boyle didn't do a bad job of, of capturing what... It is so impactful. Like when yeah. you arrive in Calcutta... Like, it's just noise and colour and movement and sound, sights and smells and everything. Like, it's just, like, it's the closest I've ever been to another planet in the sense yeah. that it's so completely different to here. And it's constant stimulation. It's almost like you've been to New York and that's, you know, constant stimulation of one kind. This is constant stimulation of the other kind. It's, I guess it's like... <laughs> I thought you were about to say, you've been to New York, so you've met billions of Indians. <laughs> <laughs> so you know exactly what it's like. It's just, it's like, it, it's, 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 it's amazing. But the thing about it is that you'll see the most beautiful, fucking amazing, like heart stopping thing. And then the most tragic, heartbreaking thing. And they're side by side. Like That's the thing that I have heard about it yeah. is that the grandeur and the, the absolute positive uh, poverty do live a bit Co-exist. side by side. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, you, you go around like Agra or you go to see, um, uh, uh um, the Taj Mahal and like, they're, they're stunning. Like, that's what I mean. It's like being on a... It's like you're on fucking Krypton yeah. when you see the Taj Mahal. Like, it's so beautiful and, and, and man-made and just completely different to what we know here. But then you walk outside and you'll see a guy with elephantitis of the feet and it's a bizarre disease. Like, you know, this guy came shuffling up to me and I was like, oh, look, he's wearing oversized slippers. But it was his feet and they were like swollen and inflated and the toes splayed off in a thousand different directions and he's begging for money. And it's just like, you know, you've just had this really profound moment of like, this is you know, like a a, a, a a tribute to what man can achieve. And then you see, oh my God, like, why does this guy have to live like this? So 
I mean, it's a constant. Were fucking... you trying to make friends with them? Like, um, my hands are slightly smaller than normal <laughs> human hands. Is that is that something we can bond over? <laughs> He's one of us. <laughs> they start a mission for me. That's why they sent you. Yeah, they're like, a... oh, they'll accept him. It's one of their own <laughs> with these tiny hands. So, okay, tell me about the day to day of it then. What did, what was well, your so, two months so involved? We, I spent like a week in Calcutta, and you know, uh, just met some priests over there, and basically. I went over with some preconceptions about missionaries, which probably everyone has. I thought a missionary is a Bible basher. Like, yeah. you know, that's essentially... So you'll be preaching to them about your way. Yeah, the Mosquito Coast. Yeah. You know, that's what you think, is you just go over there and you kind of drag people yeah. into... And when you say the Mosquito Coast, I was really thinking that episode of The Simpsons where Homer had to become a missionary. <laughs> but I, I hear what you're saying. Same, same, same. Yeah. Pretty same. much. Uh, so... Um, you know, so I spent some time with kind of Priest in the City and then I went and spent some time at a... That excellent sitcom that was very <laughs> big in, in India, Priest in the City. Uh, but then the real work, I guess, is when we went out to the villages. No, I'm cool. We, um, you know, stayed at different villages and uh, it was amazing because some of these priests who were living there now had literally, they had gone over on boats from Australia in like the 1950s. Yeah, right. And they hadn't come back. Like they had never seen their families again. They'd literally gone to India. Did they tell them or did they just go, we're going down to the shops for some smokes? <laughs> well, I mean, that's how you talk about like the draft uh, before, like, you know, the army. Catholic Church does that, you know, or used to do that at least with priests where you'd get, you'd come out of, you know, uh, the priesthood or you were a nun and they just would, okay, you're done. You, we're sending you here. We're sending you there. I guess like cops in a way as well you know like they, you just get assigned and 1950 it wasn't easy nurses doctors whatever like there's a lot yeah. of jobs where like yeah you get sent out to the country or whatever yeah so they would get sent out to india and back in those days like it wasn't easy to get back like that was a couple of months on the boat to get to india yeah so a lot of the guys had um gone native like a lot of the priests over there so they're not what does that mean well, like you when know, you say gone native, what does that mean? Like they've adopted kind of the hairstyle, the clothing. You know, obviously they speak the languages fluently, yep. but it's um, <laughs> I don't want to put a negative spin on it, but it's a bit like Apocalypse Now when you uh, find Marlon Brando, you know, and he's in the kind of black pajamas. Yep. Like the first priest who met us um, at the airport, um, Father Doherty. You know, Matt Doherty. Yeah, our friend Matt Doherty. I only found out uh, like a year ago. It's his uncle. Like his uncle showed me around India when I first got there. Yeah, right. Complete coincidence. But he looked like Moses. He had long, flowing like grey hair and a huge beard, and he was wearing like the Akurita pajama, which is like the kind of native sort of Indian clothing. Like, so you've like, essentially you... been met at the airport by Jeff Bridges. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Jeff Bridges with glasses, but he's also yeah. about six foot five. This priest, yeah, like he's just a huge guy. So anyway, um. You know, they kind of, their idea about sort of what religion is and what the church is is completely different to how we know it back here. And what I mean by that is you go out to these villages and you'd be staying with these people. A lot of the work they do is... When, with, where are you staying? So like in a hut, like a, a, a stick hut. In a hut? Yes. I spent Christmas serious? Day. No, yeah, Christmas Day 1994. So December 24th, 1990, December 25th, 1994, I was in a mud and stick hut. In uh, that's the other reason you couldn't have been the greatest Jesuit priest of all time. Keep forgetting Jesus's birthday. <laughs> <laughs> it's the twenty fourth, right? You're always ringing him the well, day before. You're always like, uh, "Hello, Jesus." I just meant you know my birthday's tomorrow, right? Mate? <laughs> the reason, it's tomorrow. The reason why I say the twenty fourth is because the night before Christmas Eve, yeah, we had a big party in the village. So basically, I got taken out to this village. The priest. How many could, people are in this village? I think there's only like three hundred. Oh my god! And, their and lang- they live in huts. Yeah, and their language was specific to their region. So I think there's something like 900 languages. Did this happen, in or is India? this an episode of Gilligan's Island or something? <laughs> like, no, it, it's true. Yeah, okay, yeah it's right. true. Okay, <laughs> I can prove. I've got a photo album. I could show you. <laughs> I want to see it. Um, but so these, uh, there was a very small number of people, and they're in the untouchables. You know about car- the caste system in India. Yeah. So if you're untouchable, basically you are. From birth, you're predetermined to be um, to never rise above a certain rank, and and they're the cleaners and the garbage collectors, and they they have the worst jobs. That's they're the untouchables. Yeah, well, there are un- untouchables are all over India, but this village they were considered untouchables. They were, right. they were yeah, like but the, the the people who are never allowed to rise above their station, they're called the untouchables. Yeah, the untouchables sounds like a cool name. Yeah, like you <laughs> mean they should be <laughs> the cool people. <laughs> you did, like go, did you not know they're called untouchables? No. Yeah, yeah. No, it's not the as it's not you're the not allowed to touch them. Yeah, as is in that gross, works? don't touch them, as in, oh. yeah. So that, Imagine if that movie, The Untouchables, had been about people who were so gross people didn't want to touch them. 
That's, that would have been a completely different spin. Well, Kevin Costner would have to wait another 15 years before people considered him untouchable for How real. How do you pitch that to people saying that you're you're untouchable? You never get to... I, I mean, I don't as know. an Australian... It's well, no different to the class system. You know, the Australian attitude is that anyone can do anything. And yeah. I mean, that's the American myth as well, even though yeah. it's not true that, it, that anybody could be president. Yeah. As long as you know, you're a billionaire. So you think we just disguise our caste system a bit more cleverly? No, I think it's really weird that you can actually say to a group of people, you're untouchable. And they accept it. And that's it. Yeah, it is weird. That is weird. I mean, yeah, but I I think for a lot of these people too, like they're all all farmers and stuff. So it's not like they have a lot of access to education or... They're not like they're going, I want to be touched. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like I'm happy. I'm happy being untouchable. Don't touch me. (laughs) So this one group, they're called the Santalis. I think I might have got that wrong. But um, I spent Christmas... Apologies if you're listening. <laughs> I spent Christmas with them. And um, uh, there was a priest there who had also gone native. He'd been living with these guys for like 10 or 15 years. And the way he explained it to me is that, you know, their approach to, you know, starting a mission has nothing to do with like the Bible or, you know, gays can't marry or anything like that. No. They say they just get everyone together, like, you know, t- uh, villages that are, are not talking to each other and say, okay, what do you guys need? And it's like, okay, we need a well, we need a, a, a place where our kids can go to school, you know, we need a, a road to sort of link these two farms. And so that's what the and mission they're like, well, we will get you those things as long as gays can't get married. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the priest would be like, okay, that's cool, you know, and so they would, they basically just, it's community service and, I went to a few masses over there, and a mass, you've never been to mass, but mass no. in the West is a real downer, man. Like, for something that's meant to be a celebration of your faith, like once a week, it's a very solemn, kind of stuffy, uh, unappealing, dispassionate event, you know? It's just, you don't want to go to church. Over there, church is like a group of people getting together and talking about their problems and trying to find a solution for them. Right. Wow. Isn't that an amazing concept, right? <laughs> Sounds unreal. So, so is that what the attraction was for the priest, do you think, as well? Like, yeah, definitely. They're like they were like, workers. this is actually what I yeah. got into being a priest for. Yeah. But, I mean, that's not to say that they don't bring up Jesus at all. That comes into the equation. But the way they uh, introduced it is to say, well, look, you guys are getting on well now. They you're... don't have TV, right? No, no, no. Not at no. All. Well, I mean, you've got to fucking fill some time with some stories about Jesus. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're good stories. Yeah, well, that's exactly right. And that's how they present yeah. them is they say... So you guys are getting on well now. Um, you know, you've got your well, you've got your school, yep. that, that road's built. Well, there's this guy called Jesus Christ, and yep. he used to have this philosophy that you should treat each other how you want to be treated yourself. Yep. And that's about as dogmatic as it gets, you know. All the stuff about gay marriage, and it's irrelevant to these people. Yep. Like, that's not a concern. They just want to be able to, you know, feed their kids and have a place to sleep and all that kind of stuff. So it was pretty, like, amazing. It was, it was, a, a, it was an amazing time right up until Christmas Eve when they had a party, like a Christmas party. And these nuns... Because these people were now Christians? Like, I mean, as I in like... they identified Christians. But they didn't identify as other religions. It like, wasn't you weren't like, fine, like... like um, I think they were having the Christmas party for my benefit. Yeah, okay. I don't think it was like, well, now it's Jesus' birthday, so, yeah. you know. How did they speak to you? Did they, they, any of them understand English or were you all translated through the... All translated through the press. Well, the guy... Was I, there any chance that the I, whole time they thought they were going to get to eat you? <laughs> Like these people are so friendly, they keep bringing me food <laughs> and rubbing marinade on my skin. This guy, is, I had to, they're covering me in oils, crushing salt and pepper on my head. Oh, they want me to have a bath in this big pot. It's a big Christmas Eve party just for me. It's cutting up potatoes and tomatoes, dropping them in the pot. I don't mean. In any way to racially stereotype because clearly Indians are not famous for eating people. I just love the idea. I'm like, did they know who you were? Did they know why you were there? Uh, I have no idea. I mean, look, they were very friendly. The family I stayed with, and it was literally like a mud hut, mud mud floors, mud walls with sticks on the roof. And how big is, like, is it one room or does it have rooms? It was two... It's two, just two big rooms. And then in the corners of the rooms, there'd be, you know, a place to wash up, a place for food. Um, so no no, um, no running plumbing. Was there plumbing? No, no, no. There's a river that you go down, which will come into play okay. very shortly. We'll get to that. Okay, all right. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we had this like, um, you know, this sort of dinner around this big fire and these nuns from Kerala um, have come to visit and they've brought some uh, 
wine, but it's not wine. What was it called? Uh, jungle juice. They called it jungle juice. Jungle juice. Basically, the nuns have rocked up with jungle juice. Yes, it's basically it's like um, the Blues Brothers. <laughs> It was basically like a masala uh, and and that had been fermented. So it was like really, really sweet alcohol. Yeah. And I'm fucking 17. It's like, like alcohol. Yeah. Fucking jungle juice. I'm used to fucking drinking out of like a, a cask. So yeah. this is, I feel like I'm really living now. Fucking drinking some jungle juice with some numbs. <laughs> I'm trying to make a India. bong out of an apple. <laughs> That's where the party started. Yeah. So, um. <laughs> you're like sussing around to the local untouchables. You're like, you guys haven't discovered any naturally growing plants that if you dried and smoked would make you feel funny, have you? You guys haven't stumbled? Okay, no, 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 me neither. <laughs> so um, I drink this jungle juice okay. and I get fucked up, like really fucked up, drunk in seconds. Like it was potent, like drinking petrol, I imagine. Yeah. So I go to bed. And this is Christmas Eve, so it goes into Christmas. Is it a bed? Well, I go to my sleeping bag. It's a sleeping bag on, on the, the floor? floor. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, right. Wow. So I wake up Christmas morning about five in the morning and it sounds like there's a Formula One race going on in my guts. Yeah, like yeah. just... Yeah. So I'm like, oh my God. And I go to sit up and fucking the whole room goes completely fucking hazy. And suddenly there's a race out of my body. Every bit of fluid is racing out of every hole in my body. Deli belly. Oh my God. I don't, it felt like I was dying. Like I seriously, I was exploding. So it's not like I can, I'm, I don't want to wake anyone up. So I drag, get up and I drag my uh, sleeping bag, which is now like a third full of diarrhea yeah. and drag it out of this oh, hut. Are you serious? Yeah. And stagger down to this river, which is about a hundred meters away. And I'm so fucking lightheaded and so weak that like I get to the river and I'm wearing like undies that are fucking completely soiled and a t-shirt and I'm just trying to keep myself upright. (laughs) And so I, I, and this is five in the morning, so there's no street lights. Like I'm in the dark fucking, and I'm trying to open my sleeping bag so I can dunk it in the river. You don't have like a torch or anything? Probably did, but I was so fucked up. I just wanted to get down in the river because I was embarrassed as well because just like, you know, five meters away in the other room, the whole family is asleep. Is Phil there? No, Phil. Oh, Phil's in another no, Phil's in another hut. Oh, yeah, yeah. Fuck Phil. <laughs> I tried. <laughs> well, we try not to be priests. You should, yeah. probably... <laughs> should learn how to fuck a schoolboy. Yeah. Um, no, so the sun starts to come up, and I like am delirious, and I keep fucking vomiting and shitting myself. Are you by the river? Yeah, I'm. I'm hands on my hands and knees at the bank of the river, shooting out of both ends like streams of vomit and diarrhea wow. at the same time. And then I just fucking lose energy. I'm so... It's a Christmas miracle. <laughs> this is Christmas Day. I'm so fucking like, uh, like just weak. I crash like head first in the river in my undie. My stained undies in my t-shirt. I'm lying face down in the riverbank. And then, because they're farmers, all these people, the sun comes up. So at six in the morning, they all start going to work. So they're bringing their, you know, buffalo or whatever, their fucking cows and stuff along the edge of the river. <laughs> And for them, it must be like, you know, it's just Christmas morning to us, but another day to them. Yeah. So they're just on their way to work and they look to the river and they see this white boy <laughs> face down in the riverbank, obviously a shat himself, <laughs> weakly holding onto a, a sleeping bag floating in the river. And they're like, well, I'm not sure about this Jesus fella. <laughs> like, if that's what he does. If that's what he does to people. If that's what he does to people on his birthday. That fucking prick. Yeah. They're like, Jesus is like Ashton Kutcher and punked. He's like, fucked you up for Christmas. So it turned out wow. that I had, um, I think, is it dysentery? Dysentery. Yeah. Where yeah. That's where you lose all your fluid. So yeah. I had to get, the nearest doctor was three hours away. It's fucking tough for them when they want to eat you too. <laughs> now you've got no fluids. Yeah. You're like jerky. You're like Biltong. That's what you were. In fact, that's uh, what happened to Phil. He's Phil Tong. They dried him out. They ate him on their days in the forest. Um, so, yeah, I, okay. had to, um, I had to get taken to a doctor, which was three hours away. Well, it was actually two hours to get the priest there, then three hours to get me to, like, a... It yeah, wasn't the in the hospital. There, it was he had a, to uh, exercise you for a couple of hours because he thought you were possessed by the devil <laughs> with all this shit fucking spurting out of you. Yeah, you know what? Direction. I would be surprised if he thought I was possessed. So yeah, I ended up going to some hospice, but when I say hospice, it was literally just like another shack and I had to get on a UV, a UV drip, an IV drip. <laughs> UV drip is what you give a vampire when you want to kill it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, that ended up, so I came back from India after that was like my summer. So two months over there, came back to start school and um, the priests were all like, so, you know, like, what did you learn? And it's like, well, I think religion works yeah. when it's not 
like we do it jam over down here. Your throat. Yeah. No. Like when it's, and here's, when here's it, a lesson for the church. Don't jam anything down anybody's throat. I think that'll just be a good principle that we could all live well, by. Well, how about focusing on like benefiting the community first? Yeah. And then get to the philosophies after that. And don't jam anything down anyone's throat. <laughs> yeah, literally. Literally. You're literally on. or figuratively. No jamming down throats. <laughs> it's never a good thing. Even the body of Christ shouldn't be jammed down somebody's throat. We should wind this up. Um, it's a fascinating story, Charlie. Yeah. Well, I'll show you the photos after this. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> Might even put them on Facebook. Yeah. Do you have any photos of that? Christmas Eve. <laughs> no. no. Only the colonoscopy that was that to be performed on me to find out why I was shitting myself so Charlie's like, this is terrible. Take a photo. <laughs> These will be memories that will last a lifetime. Uh, I should plug our Facebook page. Um, we always love the feedback on the Facebook page. If you listen to us on iTunes, make sure you rate the podcast. It's been um, going really well in the iTunes charts, like which has been really cool. So um, that would be fantastic. Um uh, and uh, you know we're on Twitter TweetFop um, and Charlie and I are both on Twitter as well you can find all that at tofop.com all the links to all those pages that's right that's a good that's plug right, right? Yeah. and um, also I'm on tour so my um, uh, Adelaide Brisbane and Melbourne dates are on sale at the moment willanderson.com.au if you want to find the links for those I'm Charlie Clawson I'm Will Anderson Fear the Soup Man that. I don't jam anything down anyone's throat. <laughs> yeah, literally. Literally.